Level Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Power Level. This is level three. We're already on our third episode. That's kind of insane. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am your host, Crystal, and joining me tonight are my lovely co-hosts, Pariah and Cowboy. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing all right. I feel like I've been hit by a truck. (laughs) I'm doing better than that. <laughs> Me too. Uh, that's horrible, and I'm so sorry to hear that. <laughs> well, when you're an essential worker in this pandemic... It's rough. Kind of normal. Yeah, yeah. I feel you. I feel you. It's rough. Um, I hope you start feeling better soon. But uh, tonight, we're going to be covering things like the potential future release of the Final, Final Fantasy VII Remake on PC... Things like the changing esports job landscape, especially during the pandemic and the cancellation of E3 and why that matters and why it sucks for them. So I guess we're just going to jump into it. Yeah. So basically, um, like we did last week, I'm going to go back and do a little bit of housekeeping and kind of touch on some of the topics because they're ever evolving, which is awesome. Um, So first and foremost, getting back into the PS5 news, um, they finally released the DualSense uh, controller specs and the actual images of it which are i i i don't know i i like it but i'm also kind of torn on it um as far as the actual design i've always been very much on the fence of you know my controller design Mm -hmm. um i've never liked an xbox 360 controller or an xbox one controller it just feels too big and bulky as the xbox controllers always have but i've always just liked the way that the uh playstation controllers felt in my hands so i'm hoping that that feel carries over um so yeah that'd be nice i like how they've actually gone through and redesigned the light bar um they've redesigned the triggers the um uh, the share button and everything like that. It's now the create button. They've got the menu. Everything else is there. And then, of course, they're talking about the new features, which uh, the, what is it, array microphone. That's going to be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that there's going to be a lot of annoying times where you get into a game and somebody has forgotten to turn that off. And it you're just going to hear fucking everything. It's going to uh, be me. <laughs> it's just fucking everything. <laughs> so that's going to be fun. Um, the haptic feedback, the fact that they're touting more realistic haptic feedback with the button presses, I'm very excited and also kind of raising an eyebrow towards because mm-hmm. I want to see how developers actually utilize it and what they're going to do with it. Because, I mean, we've seen a lot of, you know, cool new features, big air quotes here, cool new features <laughs> that were supposed to be used at length and they ended up just being like a side feature, for oh, instance, yeah. The yeah. touchpad itself. Yes, thank you. I was just about to say that. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it got a lot of really cool things that it does, but literally, like, 80 to 90% of the developers use it as just another button. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yep, so. or they use it to let you swipe through menu options, and, and that's it. It's a very underutilized feature. Mm-hmm. And it's... I can understand why, because it's it's just not... It's not as precise as it would need to be to be anything other than what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, the PS3 controller, the, what was it, the six axis controls? Mm-hmm. Where you, I mean, they basically took the, uh, the wireless methods of the Wii and then put motion control in their controller. And I remember using it once in Grand Theft Auto 4, and then I very nearly just smashed my head through a window because it was awful. <laughs> Yeah, when the PS3 first came out, um, (laughs) like only having the six-axis controller and not the DualShock Three, yeah, that was that was real interesting. Like playing Lair, the game that was supposed to be amazing, you could fly a dragon and all this stuff, (laughs) and you have to use the fucking six-axis controller. Why? Why would you? Why? Mm-mm, no. In other not news, a good I idea. learned that the PS3 controller is a very good boomerang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because what was their original design? A silver boomerang. <laughs> <laughs> it's all in the details. Speaking of details, though, 
good segue, eh? Um, <laughs> I'm kind of curious to see how the design of the controller is going to translate to the design of the console as a whole. Like, is it going to be that dual tone colors with black and white, or are we going to see something mm -hmm. different? Like, I, I want to know now. Yeah, and that's something that, again, I was looking at with the design of this going, wow, that is a stark difference to what they've been doing in the past. I mean, if they actually do the two-tone like they're doing on this, I think it's going to look sexy. I do too. I am really excited to see what the final product is going to be, especially since they've been so tight-lipped on it. Mm -hmm. I so. mean, we've seen all the different proof, proof of concepts that have come out from like the, the patents and whatnot, but those are literally just speculation. I mean, there's yeah. not really anything to go on with those. So, yeah, to I'm I'm curious to see what it's going to be. If it's going to be something completely outside of the box, or if it's going to be kind of conservative, knowing Sony, it's going to be fucking weird. Mm -hmm. Um, because that's what they do. That but, is. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the the PS4 design I thought was very very nice. The trapezoid was perfect. Um, but like the PS3, that weird spaceship. Yeah, before Why? they went into the, the slim models and, and everything else, it's just... And I mean, even the slims retained a lot of that really funky curviness that just made it feel like a mothership from Independence Day. It was fucking weird. Some people like curves, okay? <laughs> I mean, nothing wrong with them, but it's just, it doesn't fit with the aesthetic of, like, a TV or... <laughs> Fucking anything else. Like, well, I think mean, we're getting curved monitors now, so I mean, maybe that was uh, just ahead of its game. <laughs> no, well, I mean, they are ahead of their time in a lot of respects. I mean, they, they do go out of their way to innovate a lot, mm -hmm. which is great. Because, um, I mean, just the fact that they put the Blu-ray drive in the PS3, oh, I know, that yeah. is, oh, oh my God. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, either but, way, yeah. no matter what they do, like... It, the end of 2020 and 2021 and beyond is going to be very, very interesting for gaming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. And, and not just that, I mean, like seeing, especially within the last few days, the news that we've seen coming out from Sony directly, um, saying that they're going to be manufacturing only between five to 6 million consoles for the holiday 2020 release. And they're specifically saying that, you know, it's not due to the pandemic or anything that's going on right now. Um, and a lot of the speculation is, you know, is it the, the high price of the console? Mm -hmm. Because it's got all of these new features that they're talking about. Um, could, could we be looking not in the 500 range, but more in the 6, 650 range, like I was talking about way back in the first episode? Yeah, and I think if that's the direction that they're going into, that kind of worries me just as a consumer, because... You know, if anyone that's listening remembers the first episode, I was the one who predicted somewhere around 500, which is kind of that median level. I try to play it safe. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, in Sony's case, they haven't gone the same avenue that uh, Microsoft has gone with the details surrounding, you know, the Xbox consoles, because Sony only has, from what we know right now, one premium console that's going to be the PlayStation 5, whereas... So, uh, Microsoft, um, I think, has a little bit more breathing room because they're going to be putting out the Xbox Series X, which is, you know, as far as we know right now, that that premium console, and then they're going to be releasing a cheaper version of that, you know, sometime later on. So that gives them the ability to say, hey, we're we're going to bump the price a little bit on our uh, Series X console, and then you know if you can't afford that right now, or you want to wait for a cheaper version, we're going to offer that to you. Whereas, I think it could bite Sony in the ass if they release this console, you know, for six hundred, six fifty, seven hundred bucks, and they're like, okay, well, this is it. Um, maybe eventually down the road, we'll we'll develop something else. Right, but at the same time, it's it's we've we've gotten to kind of this habit of expecting that from them. Like mm -hmm. we know that their flagship model coming out is going to be the most expensive model right off the bat. Yeah. It, obviously, with this past generation, it was a little bit different with the PS4 Pro and the uh, series, or the, the, yeah, the fucking, the other Xbox. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Xbox One X. There we go. Holy cow. Um, yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Um, 
but at, a lot of people expect that because, I mean, you saw that with the PlayStation 1 even. Mm-hmm. Like the original PlayStation, they brought out that smaller form factor, one that costs less, um, you know, years after the original had launched. And that was to cut down on manufacturing costs and cut down on the actual cost for the consumer, et cetera. Right. So I, I do expect them to do something like that. Um, but you're definitely right. I mean, Microsoft has, they've really been controlling the conversation about this next generation that's coming very, very quickly. Um, as a matter of fact, I mean, we're halfway through April already. That's fucking crazy to think about, Mm -hmm. but I mean, they've, they've really been controlling the conversation by not just showing the console itself, but also giving the gamers what they want and showing, you know, different titles and what are the features X, Y, and Z. And, you know, so far Sony has only brought out basically the, the technical specs and that's been literally it. I mean, I was happy as hell that we actually got a controller pick this past week, but you know, that's, it. that's literally just a tease. That's yeah. not really giving us a whole lot. And I'm hoping though that, you know, you calling it a tease, like that's exactly what it feels like, but mm-hmm. it's going to just completely bomb if that's the direction that they're taking this and they're teasing us with these little bite-sized pieces of what they're developing and then the final product is just, you know, bleh, right. You know. Well, and I think a lot of it is not just the current situation but also a lot of the behind the scenes development with this console. They've wanted to keep a lot of it hush hush mm-hmm. because a lot of the things that it is going to be doing for um, not even console, but for computing in general. I mean, it's, it's, it's really impressive what, if it, if it holds up to what Cerny said in the, in the GDC conference, it's going to revolutionize the way that transfer speeds are done. Right. Which is incredible. So I guess we'll I mean, see. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that that's that's my housekeeping for the week. All right. Well, with that housekeeping done, we're going to move into one of our first topics of the night. Um, Efuse, the uh, gaming and esports social media platform that is starting to kind of develop some steam here, is. Um, announcing a $20,000 Warzone charity event, which is a pretty big deal because not only are they bringing in pro players like Methods from uh, Call of Duty's Toronto Ultra um, and Enable from Seattle Surge, they're also including professional athletes like uh, former NFL athlete Braxton Miller, Ali Long from the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team, Seth Curry from the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, like the list goes on and on. There are a ton of athletes and pro players and streamers that are playing but the unique spin on this is that they're also including fans so the fans have a chance to enter i guess kind of like how you would enter a giveaway and Mm -hmm. if selected they get placed on one of these teams so you have i think it's like if it features 16 professional athletes you have eight top streamers and you have eight fans so with the twenty thousand dollar prize ten thousand of that is divided between the winners and then the other ten thousand is donated to the charity of the winner's choice so it's it's a big deal because i mean if anyone else has been kind of you know riding the wave of you know how social media is changing and everything efuse has been trying to kind of bridge the gap between gamers who are wanting to enter the industry either in general video games or esports and then kind of connect them to the professionals that already exist inside of the industry so this is the perfect way to create some buzz and uh kind of generate some more connections that maybe didn't really exist before which is perfect considering you know all of the top athletes that we're seeing that are coming into the esports scene because of corona and the fact that you know all of the traditional sports platforms are mm-hmm. you know non-existent right now yeah so yeah, i mean it's, it's, yeah it's huge and i i'm i'm wondering if they're going to do it any uh, any way like like the um uh oh, what the hell is it called um i can't remember the name of the thing but it's basically um, celebrities are raffling off an experience 
to where fans can, you know, pledge $10 and they get, you know, 10 raffle tickets or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And whoever wins gets a customized experience. Like, for instance, there was one with Justin Bieber where he would come to your house and sing X song. Um, that kind of thing. I wonder if it's going to be some anything like that as well, so that it's not just the $10,000 from the prize pool, but also, you know, funding from the crowd as well yeah and, and just adds more into that prize pool in general exactly I think, yeah i think you're you might be right on that i think it, it could it could spiral into something that's going to be a lot bigger which is going to be i mean it's huge already but it's going to be amazing to see kind of how everyone can jump in and get involved and collaborate together so it's going to be fun mm-hmm. i agree i agree and i think it's exciting for um the fans and everything else because they again like we talked about last episode, they get that experience. They get the exposure to somebody who they might've thought to be superhuman before. And, you know, they idolize them for whatever reason. And now they're playing with their fucking <laughs> playing video games together. It's yeah, insane. exactly. <laughs> I think it's showing just how resilient and just how almost intimate the esports and gaming industries are because mm-hmm. we have that direct line of content. <laughs> 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 we we put on lingerie and we play video games that's you, how it is <laughs> you know it <laughs> oh god oh, anyway onward onward <laughs> okay so basically we're going to get into our next topic which is something that i know you're really excited about mm-hmm. um, yep the... i was about to pop into this yeah oh. i beat you to it i beat you to yeah. it it's the uh, final fantasy 7 remake pc release so i'll let you kind of Fan girl over that. There's so much. Okay, so obviously, as we all know, um, Final Fantasy VII Remake just released on the PlayStation 4. The problem with this is that Sony has a, or I guess Square Enix has a um, contract with Sony to where it's got a year of exclusivity to Sony consoles. So that could be PS4 and PS5. Could be solely the PS4 for now. We'll kind of see in the next few months and the next year and see what's going to happen. But the final trailer that dropped um, had a watermark at the bottom of the screen as soon as gameplay footage popped up that specifically said gameplay captured on PC. And it made the entire community go, I knew I fucking knew it. It's going to happen. And just... (laughs) Of course, like the conspiracy theorists were just coming out of the woodwork going, oh, it's there. It's a real thing. It's already ready. But they can't release it. (laughs) They can't release it. They they can't release it because of the fucking exclusivity deal, which I get. But at the same time, I hate that so much because so many things get tainted by that. And it just it drives me nuts. Greed is driving that entire train. Because we know for a fact that when you develop these games, they're developed on a PC. Maybe not for the PC, but on a PC. And doing it in Unreal Engine, which is probably one of the easiest engines that is third-party to develop for, for multiple platforms. PC, Xbox, PS3, PS4, whatever it might be, all at the same time. And just go through and optimize as necessary for the specific platform that it it it, it shouldn't be exclusive. It it just shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And especially with them releasing that that trailer, it it just shows that you know it's there, it's working. It might not be ready yet, but it's it's a real thing. So. I'm I'm excited for it because I I'm even though I've got a PS4, I'm probably not going to end up getting the remake mm-hmm. even I want to, <laughs> but I'm probably not going to just because I want to experience it on PC because I mean that's I I poured as much money into it as I have. I might as well, <laughs> might you know, as well enjoy it on there first, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, the the sound experience and everything is just going to be better on a PC. Mm-hmm. Um, it's objectively better. Um, so that, I'm just, I'm excited for it. Yeah, well. Just like I was with De- Death Stranding, which I'm still waiting on. Yeah, still waiting. The clock S- still, is still got a couple months. <laughs> 
and I'm wondering if that's going to hold up now. I didn't even think about that because we talked about it in the first episode. Cowboy had brought up that it was June 20th, I believe it was. Um, Hideo had tweeted out that's when the PC release is coming. And that was a month and a half ago now. Is that still going to be the case? I don't know. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Uh, yeah. And, and then, then, yeah. Yeah, adding on to the video that you sent to me of Aerith's voice actor reacting to the hearing herself in the game for the first time. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, the tears. Yeah. If if anybody listening has not seen that yet, Brianna White um, on Twitter, um, I think it's the Rebel, I'll have to find the tweet. Um, I'll include it in the description of the video and everything, but you need to go watch it. It just, it's, it, warning, there are feels. There are so many onions. It's just so, it's beautiful. Even if you don't enjoy the games, anything like that, just seeing the reaction from her, oh, it's, it's, it's tingles. I I love love that part of the gaming industry though, because like, you know, you, you get a movie release or a TV show that comes out and... Yeah, you watch it and that's it. But now we're seeing these voice actors hop onto to Twitch and stream the games that they're in and they get to hear themselves for the first time and you get to see them play their characters and it's just this cool experience that you can't really get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. It's yep. so it's very It's visceral. It's so raw because they don't get the opportunity, like you were saying, in either a movie or even a cartoon mm-hmm. um, to where they could see like storyboards or whatever. They don't get to see all of that. And oh, just seeing the entire product and just feeling it in the moment. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's so nice. It's so nice. Yeah. And it was so cool to see because Aerith is probably my favorite character in Final mm-hmm. Fantasy VII. So it was just, it's cool. And it reminded me of um, back when Detroit Become Human came out and Brian mm. Deckert, who played as Connor, both as the voice and the, the model itself. The he, voice. yeah. Yeah, he streamed through the entire game, and it was such a cool experience to to see him do that. And uh, you just don't, like I said, you just don't get that anywhere else. It's just it's so cool. I can't I can't get enough of it. More need to do that. <laughs> yes, more people <laughs> definitely need to do that because I I mean I, I follow a lot of different voice actors that play not just in video games but also a lot of TV shows and stuff. Um, and just seeing you know their reactions to not just the game or the movie or whatever it is but also the fans like it's it it's fantastic yeah yeah and also too i just want to add in a little note um because i'm trying so hard right now not to just start completely rambling about this game (laughs) Um, sometime next week i will be recording a mini episode with Alyssa james who is a writer from dual shockers uh she has also finished the game as well and we're going to jump into kind of a mini episode that's full of spoilers about final fantasy 7 so if you've finished the game and you want to listen to us completely nerd out about it and talk some theories and stuff then uh you need to keep an eye out it's gonna be fun Mm-hmm. And you're going to be doing the editing on that one because I don't want that shit spoiled. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> if the quality is shitty, that's my fault. <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure it's okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, are, are you done with this? Should we? I'm, I'm, I'm fairly mean... done with it. I mean, we, we also got, and just to kind of loop back around with the whole exclusivity thing, mm-hmm. um, Horizon Zero Dawn. That's coming to PC. Oh, yes, it is. And I'm fucking excited. I already have that for PS4, but the fact that it's coming, yeah, that's, that's a oh, it it's going to be so pretty. Yeah. I mean, just already seeing how it looks on the PlayStation, I, can, I can't even imagine how it's going to look on PC. That's going to be incredible. Yeah. And I'm wondering if they're going to have any of the like RTX on stuff on there to where <laughs> like Aloy is ray traced. Oh, could you imagine that? Is that what it sounds oh. like when it happens? It just goes RTX on. R- RTX. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's exactly it. Just Batman comes out and it well. uh, turns it all on and now it's, it's just pretty. Well, that alone would turn me into a PC gamer. So there we go. <laughs> Ta-da! Converted. Ta-da! <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. I'm going to make a correction on you, Baden. It's June 2nd, not June 20th for Death Stranding. Ah. Got it. 
See, I, I knew it had a two in there somewhere, and I knew it was June-ish, but couldn't quite remember when it was. <laughs> I'm just, like, waiting for you to start playing and freaking out about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm so, so excited to play it. <laughs> like, just just seeing all the little... I, I've specifically stayed away from anybody who's past a certain point, just so I don't have it spoiled at all, but so I still get like the core gameplay elements and I can be like, that looks so cool. Mm -hmm. But also what is this game? <laughs> so, yeah. That's well, all I got. All right. Well, moving on, we're going to move on into our segment called the quick scope. Quick scope. Hit markers. Uh, uh, Richard Huggin. I can't even talk. Like I, I'm so excited over Final Fantasy VII right now. I can't think of anything else. <laughs> uh, Richard Huggin sat down with Esports Insider to talk about the changing esports jobs landscape, which is an interesting detail because esports as a whole, especially as like a spectator sport right now, is exploding. However, the opportunities are dropping pretty significantly. Uh, he mentioned that over there are over 5000 opportunities that are currently live on the platform but right now only 647 of those are classified as esports opportunities um and it's just right i think right now it's just continuing to drop uh, not as many companies as we had probably hoped are moving into hiring for purely remote positions and i think it's is taking a major hit as of how the ecosystem kind of operates um, and it, it, it definitely sucks. I mean, there's still a lot of jobs, but the drop is just, it's really important to kind of take that into consideration because you would think that with everyone talking about how esports is just, that's the sport to watch now. Yeah, it's, and it's booming. and Yeah, and to, and to see how the people in the background are still suffering tremendously due to the, to the pandemic, especially, it's just, it's insane. Yeah, and it, it just goes to show that even the strongest communities are getting hit hard by it. Yeah. Even if they seem like they're thriving underneath, they're not okay. So check on them. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But while jobs might be dropping the partnerships and stuff, especially from non-endemic branding is just insane right now. I think there's, there's been an announcement pretty much almost every day. It feels like of, new partnerships and sponsorships of brands that weren't necessarily involved in esports before are finally kind of dipping their toes in and, and figuring out that there's a lot of money to be had in this industry. Um, for example, the Overwatch League just signed Xfinity as the presenting sponsor for their 2020 season. I cannot talk. Um, which is... 2020. 2020 season. Uh, which is huge because... The remainder of the season, both Overwatch and Call of Duty, they're both moving into completely online play. Um, and with Xfinity joining the partnership between Comcast and the Overwatch League, they're going to include a sponsored, in case you missed it, highlight videos, which is going to be cool to see how that's presented. And there's a nifty way where Xfinity customers can quickly access live streams through YouTube by saying Overwatch League into the X1 voice remote. <laughs> yeah because i bet so many people are going to do that technology <laughs> technology <laughs> i i mean i do think it's cool that they're doing that but at the same time again how many people are actually going to do that shit i'm um, not i don't have an x1 voice know. remote so yeah well yeah but i mean just the fact that they're doing like the the highlight clips and stuff like that um mm -hmm. it, it kind of makes me think of like sports reels to where it's like you know play of the game Brought to you by Xfinity or some shit like that. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to be cool. Yep, it's cool. And it'll be interesting to see if that relationship continues after the 2020 season. I don't know. We'll mm -hmm. find out. I'm curious to see how many partnerships and stuff continue after everything kind of goes back to normal after the pandemic. It's going to be kind of weird to see how things change after that. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, we're, we're, gonna, we're probably going to see a nice shift uh and influx like we're seeing right now of all these different sponsors and hopefully them dipping their toes in they'll get a taste of it and they'll see that oh this isn't just stupidity 
it's actually viable. Mm -hmm. And oh, there's a lot of money to be made on this. Um, because uh, again, it's all about the money. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, which, there is which I get. <laughs> there's, <laughs> but yeah, there there's a ton. Um, I mean, they don't need to look any further than like just the League of Legends and the Dota championships. Mm -hmm. Like those two things. Yes, they're the biggest ones. Yes, they're kind of outliers in that regard. But if you want any kind of motivation, look to those. Those are fucking awesome yeah i agree like it, it's huge and i think it's going to open the eyes of a lot of different companies and i think it's it's going to completely change how these partnerships kind of develop and it's going to change how even like professional athletes how they interact with the scene i don't i don't think that we're going to go back to just you know the way it was where you have traditional sports leagues kind of off doing their own thing and then esports is that little forgotten you know redheaded stepchild in the background I mm -hmm. think that a lot of this is going to start being combined in the future. And I think it's going to change a lot. Well, and I, it's, it's obviously ESPN has been bringing this into their network mm -hmm. quite a bit over the last five years. Um, it's really grown a lot. So seeing how it's going, to, Oh, just sorry. Little sparks in my head. Like, <laughs> a, a, like a, a collab event to where it's like, you've got, say a championship basketball game and then a championship um esports yeah i i don't know i'm just sorry well i mean just Pipe think dreams. about how the format could work you have your you have your season where you're, the nba is playing games you know every single night and then during the off season they have their digital league where athletes mm -hmm. jump in with the pro, pro players and, and play some matches and it it keeps that awareness there and it, it keeps things interesting Mm -hmm. just an idea guys you can take that from me if you want to <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, if you want to just take it it's fine <laughs> i'd like i'd like a little bit of you know a little bit of credit but i'm not gonna be greedy oh, i'll give you my paypal account <laughs> <laughs> not even that just like even just 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 a little mention be like and this is from you know crystal over at benzinga slash power level podcast <laughs> that'd be cool but also here's my paypal account <laughs> but also here's my paypal account because i know you got it you got plenty of it that's why you're in this business take some, i'll take some royalties you know, you know. <laughs> but anyway any hoosie howsy watsits anyway let's move on to our primary topic here cowboy are you still here are you okay are you alive yeah, i'm here i'm i'm fine <laughs> i'm here just try not to talk too much because my throat hurts. Oh, no. Well, do you want to cover the next topic or do you want us to just go with it? Oh, uh, well, we'll all tackle it together. It's, um, it's the E3 cancellation and the possibility of the events, uh, possible online events canceled. But from what I understand, there were some that were going to do it during E3 week anyways. If I if I'm not mistaken, but I see the articles in our uh, document here. I should have went over before the episode began. No, it's all right. You're actually 100% on point. Slacker. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a rough week. Get off it. <laughs> Slacker. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, we, I mean, what was it back in the first episode? We started talking about how events were starting to cancel due to COVID-19. And we were talking about, you know, whether or not E3 should cancel, should they stay open? And of course, it led to the inevitable cancellation of the entire event, which then kind of ignited that conversation about whether or not they were going to move into an online platform, much like a lot of other uh, events are doing. And I remember uh, me linking stuff into our Discord about them doing stuff online this year. I know there were some uh, gaming uh, companies wanting to do it online. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, and I mean, the it's just, E3 has just been such like an anchor in, in the community. So it's really strange to see how it's just completely crumbling. 
Um, because like when the physical event canceled, uh, the ESA even stated that it was exploring options to coordinate an online experience that was going to originally happen you know, around the same time in June 2020, but it's not going to happen anymore. Yep. And that was really only announced within the past week or so. Yeah, it's been um, really recent. But I mean, you've still got a lot of different outlets that are still looking towards um, summer to be doing, you know, their own little event, whether it be specifically for a certain company that supports a certain niche, mm -hmm. or like in the instance of IGN and Steam, having actual like festival type situations to where it's still the fans getting to experience and see all of these new games that are, that are going to be coming out and possibly even trying them. Um, I know that specifically with Steam, they're going to be, <clears throat> pardon me, including uh, different demos and um, different time-sensitive playthroughs that people in the community can just jump on and see what, you know, this game from this indie developer is going to be about mm -hmm. because I've seen some footage on it. It looks really cool, but I am still not quite sold on it. And I think it's it's really cool that they're able, not only able to do something like this, but it gives a lot more people the experience that the people on the showroom floor would have. Yeah. And I think it's, it's curious because just the way that like IGN's announcement of their summer of gaming event taking place in June, they're bringing on a shit ton of uh, producers and developers like, you know, 2K, Square Enix, uh, Sega, like all of the ones that you would expect to see at E3. They're doing basically the same thing that we would assume that E3 would be doing if they were still going to be holding an online event. Mm hmm. So my train of thought from this is that, say, you know, IGN does this and is extremely successful. Everyone tunes in. We get sort of the hands-on, you know, approach, the demos, the previews, the gameplay, the news segments and interviews, all of that packed into what we normally expect from E3. How is that going to affect E3 in the future? Is it still going to exist as we know it? Are they going to, you know, toss in the towel and say, no, you know, never mind, maybe our time's over? Like, I'm, I think, I'm curious to see how this is going to change. I think this is more of a fill-in for this year, but next year we're going to see E3 back in full. Uh, that's just my opinion. We, mm -hmm. we just need something for this year, for the summer. Uh, usually Steam does their summer sale later in the summer, but... I guess they're moving it up this year with mm -hmm. the uh, Summer Game Festival. I, I Again, this is me speculating, not 100% confirming it. Um, we just need something for the summer, and we need something online so people can stay in to uh, flatten the curve of this COVID-19 situation. Mm -hmm. But E3 will make its return next year. And it's not going to be the same because of, again, with this whole um, COVID-19 situation. But uh, a a as of right now, we just need something for the now. And next year, I'm pretty sure E3 will come back uh, a little differently. They'll probably do more online stuff than in person. Mm -hmm. uh, almost like what BlizzCon does. Mm -hmm. If I'm again, I don't know anything about BlizzCon because I don't watch any of the BlizzCon stuff, and I know some. There are some people who do, like religiously. So <laughs> like me, there you go. <laughs> yeah, and it's. I honestly think that it's going to be next year if if it does physically return like if we're actually out of the frying pan and not into the fire um at this time next year then it, it will definitely return physically but i think that depending on how the summer events go for ign and steam respectively 
um, that they're going to have a bigger digital element to it to where a lot of those demos that would be available on the floor are going to be made available to um, people publicly. Yeah. And just jumping in, it kind of changes the direction a little bit, but I I miss like PlayStation Home coming in. You have this 3D yeah. digital world where they completely just created a, a mimicked uh, E3 event where you, you're literally walking around on the floor. You can go up to consoles and play demos and watch trailers, see the interviews, see the presentations. I'm curious to see if we're going to start seeing more virtual events that are kind of more in tune with jumping into a video game to to get all of the latest news and stuff versus just tuning into Twitch or YouTube and just watching everything. Just jump into VR chat and that's what it is. <laughs> exactly. Like you create your avatar, you walk in and there you go. You can interact with other people. You can you know play the demos. It's like you're there virtually and... I don't know. I just I see that happening. Maybe that's just my wishful thinking because I I don't want to leave my house. Well, I think it's a cool idea, and <laughs> it it could definitely be badass. But I also think that they could flub it so hard that oh, yeah. nobody ever wants to do it ever again. For sure, um, <laughs> it has to be done right. It They'd to have to done. go through all kinds of Q and A. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I th I think that would be cool. And I love how you brought up PlayStation Home. Oh, PlayStation Home. I miss it so much. I've been thinking about <laughs> right? it a lot lately. I miss it <sighs> so much. That would be the perfect platform right now to hang out with friends. Yeah, I remember it fondly, so fondly. Mm. Having your own little apartment that you could kind of customize and then yes. walk around the different lobbies and play the little mini games. And... Play some pool. Um, do some bowling. I was awful at both. <laughs> and then if you had bad internet, oh God, don't go to the theater. <laughs> no. Don't go to the theater. But it was cool because of all of the different events that they could just, just kind of shove in there. New game releases and stuff. They could change, you know, the way the world looks. You can get exclusive t-shirts and t -shirts. stuff for your avatar. Yeah. yeah like it is, it's interesting. <laughs> I remember how... when Resident Evil 5 came out. Yes. And... They had those on there. Oh. Yes. And then uh, what game was it? It was a horror game. Was it Siren? Maybe? I don't know. Oh, remember. it's probably Siren. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was. They had like a haunted house that you could go through, which is was fairly reminiscent of how um, kind of how the PT demo was and, you know, all of the, the horror games that we're seeing now uh, where you're just kind of walking through and kind of experiencing it versus shooting monsters and killing things like it, I, the P playstation home was ahead of its time it really was I well it so and uh, to be fair a lot of that had to do with siren because of how siren's gameplay was oh well, yeah um, <laughs> so but i mean like just the way that they were able to integrate that into the yeah. virtual world it wasn't like releasing a full game like you can get a small taste of this game and play a demo of it maybe go through this haunted house that wasn't powered by, you know, the game itself. It was all through PlayStation Home, and they were able to integrate it seamlessly into this world. And it's just, it's something that we probably could desperately use right now. And I think a lot of people are starting to revisit that idea. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, because you have games like Second Life that has just completely, you know, they've been running since, what, 2003 or something ridiculous like that? And they're uh, still doing. Yeah, I think either thin or maybe even a little older yeah it's it's been a it's while been going for a minute yeah they've been going on and then you have companies like gamer jibe um i don't know that if any of you have heard of that but they're creating an esports job fair that's taking place in a virtual event where you you have your own virtual avatar and you walk around and you talk to people and make connections so i think huh. people are starting to realize that this could be a viable way to communicate with each other and create brand new events that we haven't really seen before so what i think is kind of funny about that is you can literally do that in vr chat mm -hmm. but i think and you know until vr is kind of a household thing i think we're we're slowly getting to that point but i mean i don't well, have any of that well, capability yeah but you can like right now you can download vr chat and play it with mouse and keyboard oh good to know yeah. And you can still be your own 3D avatar. You can customize it, do whatever you want, mm -hmm. and then use your mic as you would. Yeah. 
And I feel like we're going into like a topic of how social media is starting to change and how the landscape of these virtual worlds are starting to change because we're seeing how people are interacting with each other, especially during the pandemic and how games like even like Animal Crossing are becoming these huge, not just games, but social media platforms and is changing how we interact with each other, how we create these events and schedule things and it's just insane how everything's changing so suddenly yep and i mean you can you've you can even see articles about how people have taken what was supposed to be their most special happiest day their wedding day Mm -hmm. and transferred it into animal crossing like that's that's cool seeing weddings we're seeing graduation ceremonies like it's all happening digitally on games that you maybe before never really would have thought about doing that on i mean we see we see similar things like that happening like in in mmos and stuff and like wow that. and stuff right yeah. <laughs> which is kind of you know that's that's kind of what you they, think about they pioneered it yeah yeah and but i mean to do something like like a graduation ceremony in animal crossing it would have to me at least it, it was unheard of until now and it's it's crazy how everything is kind of changing and we're kind of integrating our our personal lives into these video games and kind of making it what we want them to be Mm -hmm. if if not only to showcase the adaptability of video games but also the resilience of people Mm -hmm. yeah and i think it shows just how promising video games can be and how vital they are as far as communication, because, you know, for a while there with other companies and parents and people that didn't necessarily know and understand what video games can do, they were saying that, you know, gaming, especially online is this antisocial, you know, detrimental thing for, especially for teenagers. And now everyone's kind of realizing that it's not necessarily that it could be a healthy alternative to many different activities. And it is a very highly social experience that's Mm -hmm. that's a very positive influence on a lot of people's lives so i think i it's rough because i don't want to sit here and be like well thanks to the pandemic gaming is now seen as this positive result um but it kind of is (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean that's 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 kind of a silver lining yeah i mean you're right there there was that the, the whole stigma around gaming and i'm sure there probably still will be after this but it just won't be as prevalent no, I think um, people are seeing the value both from like an esports financial aspect and a personal lifestyle aspect. Mm-hmm. Which is something that a lot of people have needed for a while. Mm-hmm. But I mean, on on the same wavelength, they're not completely off base with a lot of their claims because yes, it can be, but too much of a good thing can always be a bad thing. Well, yeah, I mean, everything in moderation, right? Exactly. So, I mean, it's it's all about the person and how they're consuming it and how it's being translated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The future of gaming is, uh, is going to be interesting, especially from the point of view of someone using it more as a social media platform platform versus, you know, hopping into Call of Duty and, and shooting people on multiplayer. <laughs> Your mom. <laughs> Your mom. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I know. in there and killing some squeakers. Yeah. Oh God! Don't even get me started. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I know we kind of ended up in in a different segment there that we didn't really plan on but that was kind of <laughs> kind of awesome it kind of it kind of details how events could be changing in the future and stuff so I think that it was kind of important to touch on. Um, do you, you as well. Do you guys have anything else to add? About anything, cowboy? Are you still alive? Yeah, I'm still alive. It's um, <laughs> I'm I'm just hoping that this summer we'll have some uh, really good presentations. Usually, Nintendo do theirs around that time, anyways, with their mm-hmm. um Nintendo Direct that they do online, and I'm sure uh playstation or microsoft will do something this summer as well on their twitch channels if sony doesn't do something then 
what the shit are they doing? Exactly. They kind of. I feel like they kind of <laughs> need to do something at this point. We need something. Yeah, we. Yeah, there. Like, there has been fucking tease. Uh, a price to the PS5 that hasn't been touched on this episode. They were saying something about uh, four ninety nine to five forty nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's still. I don't know. I I just you know normally when we start looking at next gen consoles and trying to predict price ranges, it's a little bit easier because we're able to look at past releases and how they went about things. But I think things are changing so dramatically that it's kind of hard to pinpoint anything specific right now. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess we'll we'll find out. Exciting times are coming for sure. Uncertain and exciting times. Mm-hmm. And with that, uh, that's all I got to say about that. The same too. Um, Cowboy, you have anything else or you want me to wrap it up? I'm just excited for the summer. Hopefully there'll be some great trailers and some... Uh, really good presentations online in mm-hmm. in um in uh, in place of what E3 would have been yeah i'm sure we'll see a lot of ways to see kind of how these uh presentations are going to start adapting to you know online versus a physical presentation so it, it's going to be cool mm-hmm. i'm excited to see what all kind of pops up but we're kind of reaching uh, that that end point for us. So if you want, I can take us out. Take us out. Take us out. I'm done. Bye. Okay. <laughs> Toodles. <laughs> no. But anyway, that definitely wraps it up. Uh, for the most up-to-date information, be sure to follow Power Level on Twitter. You can find us. I'm going to spell it out because it's not just, it's it's weird. It's <laughs> You can find us at PW3RLVL. And make sure you subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Anchor, basically all of the platforms. And if we are not on one of your favorite platforms, let us know and we will make sure to include ourselves on there because we want to be everywhere like a rash. (laughs) 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 But anyway, make sure you like and subscribe if you listen to us on uh, YouTube and uh, leave us a review. They help us tremendously and, and we're able to kind of start focusing on producing the content that you guys enjoy. 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 Did I say that? Enjoy. Right? English enjoy. words are hard. <laughs> anyway, thanks again for joining and we'll see you next time. Bye guys. Bye.